Hello again. Welcome to the Selling on eBay radio show. Yep. We're here to save you money, to increase your sales, and to have fun. Mm. This is fake announcer guy saying here's Philip and Sherry. So that's uh, Sherry Smith and Philip Jackson, your hosts for the Selling on eBay radio show. Won't bore you with our details. If you want to find out about us, what we do, how we do it, just go to sell, sell, sell dot online. That's sell, sell, sell dot online to find out about us. More importantly, we'll tell you what's coming up in today's show. Hey, if you're run out of town, get in front and make it a parade. <laughs> All right. And uh, watch out if you like using that uh, blocked bidder list. It's getting harder. We'll tell you how. What is going on with feedback? It's getting messy. Lots of comments out there on that. And let me try and get this right. We, pa- we play TLA soup when an EIS package goes MIA and creates an INR case. I'm proud of that one. <laughs> I get it all, but TLA, we'll find out. What all right, that very good. Okay, uh, in the news, Sherry, we have this week. Brian Burke announced that he is retiring March Whoa. 1st, and Shoka. they announced it in this week's Selling for Business podcast, yes. <laughs> eBay for Business podcast. Um, I personally love Brian and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for him. He's done a very Can good I, job, very popular, been there, what, 20, nearly 25 years. Yes, uh, since 1999. And uh, can I share a little story yes, about Brian? Yes, yes, go on, yeah. Okay, so when they ha- hire new employees, they have a three-day summit. And at the end of that, they'll have eBay sellers. They used to do it in person before covid and they have eBay sellers on stage and they MC this. Well, it used to be Griff and then it was Brian who would mm-hmm. introduce us. And then the new employees could ask us questions. Yeah. And then we'd go and sit at the tables with the employees hmm. and they would just get to really know their sellers. It was an amazing experience. And I lived close enough to San Jose that I was invited several times and the last time that I was invited, I had to take my husband to a VA appointment and you mm-hmm. can't reschedule those if you want to get one within a certain period of time. So I was stuck between saying I can't make it or can I bring my husband? Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like they'd never want to invite me again. And was this inappropriate to ask to bring him because he'd never participated? So I asked if, and this is also to Uh, Anna's credit because she was running this. I don't remember her last name, but I know her face. And they said yes. Mm -hmm. And at the time, because he had MS, he was in an electric uh, wheelchair most of the time and he couldn't use his right hand. So when we got there, I didn't even know they were going to let him on the stage, but they had made ramps for the stage and they had mic'd him up with a head mic where we were all sharing a handheld mic and that way he wouldn't have to try to hold anything. Brian was hosting it and I, I will never forget him for this. And when they got to us, my husband, Arlie was trying to take my mic and I'm like, you have your own (laughs) mic. And there were 250 employees in the audience. He had them laughing, crying. It was awesome. And on our way home, he's like, when are we going to do this again? When's the next one? And 
he passed away two weeks later. Hmm. I will never forget Brian for this. So thank you, Brian. That's All right. And there'll be more, I'm sure, uh, Brian Burke memories from different channels over the next few days. He's leaving the company, I think, 1st of March, so a couple of weeks' time. Yes, that's right. And You were on the, a call just a short while before they issued the formal announcement. Did he say anything about his plans for the future? Is he going somewhere else? Is he going to retire or be a consultant? Or I don't know, lots of things he could do at that point. It sounded a lot like he's retiring. Ah, okay. And he's thinking about where he wants to travel, and that's what it sounded like. Uh-huh. Yeah, and have they said anything about who might replace him? Do we know what the succession plans are? You mentioned the eBay for Business podcast. He's the co-host of that. That's right. I don't know. Nothing was mentioned, so... Well, it Get seems like they've been grooming Georgia on that team as sort of Griff's right-hand person, so maybe she'll slide in in some very careful... Because they said on the podcast that this is something that, frankly, been discussing for several months. It's not as though it's sort of been thrown at him, I don't think. So there's presumably some sort of succession plan for the podcast, and we'll find out in a couple episodes' time who, who takes over. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, we wish him well. He's, Brian's been a very strong supporter. I know of the meetups that I've been holding and just about everything to do with eBay and seller events. So he'd be sorely missed, certainly. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, another thing that I noticed in the last week or so, and therefore it's news as far as I'm concerned, the way that eBay is handling blocked bidders is, has changed somewhat. It used to be the case that if a seller were to block a buyer, we probably won't get all the reasons for that, but if it happens, eBay would use their knowledge of any other accounts that were owned by that person, and they would apply the block to those accounts without the seller having to know those other account names. How would they know? Um, It seems to me that that has changed. I don't know if it's a permanent change or just something's got broken and no one's discovered it yet. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut. Um, But what's happening now is it's just the account that the person enters onto their list is the one that's being blocked. That is still working. But the automatic inclusion of related accounts seems seems to have stopped happening. That doesn't sound great for the seller. Because they'll still have to deal with the same buyer they're trying to yes. get rid of. Um, I don't think eBay really cares too much for the block bidder list anyway. So maybe, you know, they're not worried about that. Um, but yes, I think as a seller, just be careful that you are still exposed on the, you know, on the left flank in, in, insofar as these guys may come back um, and and do whatever nefarious activity you thought that might have happened via another account, like, for goodness sake, buying your merchandise or something like that. Disgraceful. Yeah. Are you excited about this change? Well, I, 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 I get on the block bit of this quite often. Some people have a, um, a hair trigger on, on doing that. You know, I find that some people, if you just send a friendly note saying, hey, you know, when I send an item like this, this is how I protect it going through the post. They take enormous uh, offense at that and they'll block me for that. Um, sometimes I'll say, you know what, do you realize the it's an eight pound package, priority mail California to Florida is twice the price of, of UPS ground. Is there any way we could do a, a downgrade? I'm more than happy to wait an extra day uh-huh. and, and save ourselves, you know, and not without making any difference in the profit to the, the seller, just the difference between yeah. the two label costs. And they will quite often block me for even raising that. 
That is um, um, crazy. So, yes. So, to be honest, I, I have been known to use one of my multiple accounts because you need some for various reasons we've talked about in the past. Um, sometimes to try and go back and just buy the item and not send the same message, just let them let them do their thing. It's not worth you know provoking it, the thing all over again. And, uh, yes, it's, it typically doesn't work. But now it seems to be working. So there you go. Either if you're a buyer and want to get around it, or if you want a seller that wants to stop it, just so you know, that seems to be the way it is. If it changes one way or the other, uh, we will let you know. Thank you for discovering that. There you go. Uh, ask me how. Um, and uh, <laughs> you discovered guess. that there's actually some, some one of these routine emails that eBay sends out actually has some benefit. Well... I didn't get it from an email. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay, let's talk about that. So eBay sent, have, have you gotten the email that says top tips for getting your items to sell? I usually save them. I know I should read it. I know I should do something with it. And eventually I archive it because I didn't have time. <laughs> Today I had a minute to kill and I clicked into it and it took me right to 53 of my wow. 1600 listings that did not qualify for top rated plus listings because they didn't have a one day handling time or um, the 30 day return policy or the free returns, which I do for all of mine. Mm -hmm. So, so I was able to click into that link. It took me right to bulk editing and I changed those 53 oh, to that. Yeah. It was very helpful and very easy. It is easy to fat finger a policy sometimes. Either you select the wrong policy when you're listing an item, or you accidentally change a policy that's got loads of listings riding on it, and suddenly they drop out of the 10% discount scheme, uh, which is something you probably want to avoid happening. So, yes, it's nice they do, they do send that email. It kind of looks a bit routine, and you get it, at least once a month, I think, it comes out. But it's worth just maybe occasionally just clicking through and seeing what it is they're trying to nudge you towards changing. And they made it so easy. It was a group mm -hmm. bulk edit thing where mm -hmm. everyone they were talking about had the same issue. So I didn't know I wasn't going to have to go through every one of them. All right. So that don't delete great. that one. Maybe give it a, a click through every now and again. Now, you had a, uh, I don't know if this is news or not, but you had a, a, a meetup, right, the other <laughs> Just, day? Oh, oh, my meetup, yes. I'm curious well, as to how it went. Was this at the, the bowling bowling alley again or somewhere else? Oh, no, we haven't done the bowling alley. Uh, that's a great idea, though. But maybe you got the B because we met at BJ's uh -huh. Brewing Market. Oh, even better. <laughs> and eatery, yes. and Skip the bowling. Straight right. to the fun stuff. It. There were eight people registered, but only four showed up, and I, I was one of the four. Okay. But it's okay, because mm -hmm. we had a great time. Mm -hmm. We have a lot to talk about, and I feel like we all learn from each other every time. Mm -hmm. So it was great discussions, and lots of magical things happened. Uh, like uh, one person ordered the pizza that comes with unlimited salad, mm -hmm. and the waiter was offering that unlimited salad to any of us. Yes. So it could be anyone in the party. Yes. Normally <laughs> anyway, I just, I just move it around when he's not looking, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, but he said we can all have it and so that good. they don't have to have that. Okay. Anyway, it, it was quite a magical night, and we got a free dessert somehow. Mm. So lots of fun. And mm -hmm. somebody won the light box, mm -hmm. which is great because it's so small. You can keep it right next to you and use it for 
jewelry or smaller mm. things. And eBay's been giving us fifty dollar eBay gift <gasps> cards to give I away. Didn't get any of those. I got I got have words. You did. I didn't know. I got a I got some uh, some poly mailers and some tissue paper <laughs> last time. What you have to check? Maybe it's maybe it's in the box. You have to request swag. I did for your meeting. I did, and then they send it. Make sure you find it because I've been giving away these fifty dollars gift cards at every meeting. Great. Okay. Not to myself. Well, there you go. Now I know. All right. Well, that's good. And um, yes, do if you want to go to a meetup near you, most of them, I think all of them, in fact, are advertised at sellerevents.ebay.com. eBay sends out a bunch of swag. Uh, you can pick up some free stuff, have a good time, exchange ideas with people, get solutions to your problems. It's a great night out. And yeah. on that note, just in case you're in Orlando next uh, Tuesday, as I speak today, uh, that's the 20th, uh, we're doing a meetup eBay swag will be provided, and it's at 5.30, or later if you can't make it at 5.30, at uh, Firebirds Bar and Grill in Winter Park. And it'll just be an informal chit-chat. The bar's pretty quiet on Tuesday. We can just do our thing, chit-chat, change ideas. You can wander around the table, talk to people about different things, problems you might have, and see what they have to offer in terms of solutions. That's the format. So Orlando Meetup, 20th of February. Okay, Sherry, let's press on. And I thought I'd revisit something we talked about just the other day, which is where things are at in terms of feedback on eBay, which it seems a very thorny issue at the moment. There seems to be a lot of negative reaction from sellers around the place going on. I I think there have been some policy changes and presentational changes as well. I mean, a while back, they changed the way when you click on see this seller's feedback if you're a buyer rather than go to their feedback page it scrolls whizzes down the page to a little box mostly towards the bottom and it's a bit i don't think it's very helpful because it shows you the numerical summary so i might say sherry's only got 93 percent positive or something oh that's not very good but (laughs) they only give you three comments which are hand-picked by ebay and in my experience do very little to help you understand the numbers that are in the num- numerical summary. So really, it serves no purpose because the next thing you have to do is to click the link which goes back to where it used to go, which is the full pe- feedback page. And then you can look at the neutrals and negs and the replies and all that stuff, which is if you're into what reading feedback, that's what you're there for, right? Right. Um, so I, I'm really turned off the idea of this sort of interstitial thing of, of, of jumping in the way and trying to present it. I don't find it useful. It just it just says, oh, I need to know what's behind these numbers before I can interpret them properly. So that's one change. They don't seem to be uh, minded to, to remove that. The other thing that has happened, and we talked about it very briefly, was that they've now got verified purchase or verified transaction Bye. against it, which they seem to have reacted in the last few days because everyone said, well, what does this mean? You're just copying Amazon. It doesn't make any sense because, of course, it's a verified purchase because that's how it works. Um, and they came back with a metric that apparently in their research, which they keep very quiet except when they want to release a factoid, is that 50% of people they surveyed didn't know that eBay feedback was always verified anyway. But that's not really the point. The point is what percentage of people going to the feedback area of the site don't know what it means that's the question and my guess is that a vast majority of people that go to feedback know how it works so i think it's a me too amazon thing and they're trying to rush around figuring out 
how to explain it in a way that doesn't make it look like that. Yeah, and I think Amazon does it because sellers notoriously pay to have yes. all this feedback left for them on not actual purchases. That doesn't happen on eBay. But even on Amazon, the, the, feed, the feedback scammers get you to buy the product and then leave feedback. As Because I get these emails saying, Would, do you want a free product? Then go buy our stuff on Amazon, leave us a five-star review, and we'll, we'll reimburse you. And you keep the product for free. Get plenty so of those. is that a verified purchase? Well, it would be, because how does Amazon know? Because <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, anyway, so it, it seems a silly, silly distinction. I mean, way back when, yes, you could leave feedback on eBay without actually buying the item, but that's like a decades ago. Wow, that was BS. So that's Shiri. weird. Um, so that's a weird one. They've tried to explain it this week. I'm sure they have their reasons. Uh, okay, so that's the first thing. And then, you know, there's lots of people on the various discussion boards and blogs and YouTubes and stuff bringing up cases where I think... There's a very legitimate reason why eBay should remove feedback. It maybe doesn't technically exactly hit the policy point that, that is relevant, but a reasonable person would, would take a kind of view of it, and they're not doing it. And I think, as we reported before, the, the policy changed in August last year. The reps are told not to use their discretion that they have to take mm. feedback away, redirect the person via, you know, the the online form oh. where maybe Mr. AI will decide whether or not it's valid and don't spend talk time doing it. It's not the way to do it anymore. And a lot of people are unhappy with that. You can find people's cases and you think, yeah, that probably should have been let through and it, it, it isn't and they're fighting it. And it's just getting very messy and ugly. And I... I you know, I, I like a good conspiracy theory. I, I just wonder whether the good folks in eBay customer service are deliberately creating problem on a matter they know is going to get a lot of visibility as part of an internal argument that they need more people or more budget or whatever it is they need. And by shutting down a workflow that is very visible and will get a reaction. It's it's part of the internal resource allocation argument that I'm sure they go through, particularly at a time of downsizing. I don't but, know. Hey, Philip, mm. you sent me that job posting that eBay is looking yes. for someone with experience to renovate their feedback, right? That was interesting because the revolving door is spitting people out at the moment. And uh, most job adverts are probably, you know, programmers in areas where they always need people. Yeah. It was unusual to see a product manager job go up because that's the sort of thing that you can probably reassign somebody else internally and not have to advertise. Yeah. And yeah, this this came off uh, Liz's um, valuated resource site. I hadn't spotted it, mainly because I wasn't looking at job adverts because there wasn't anything really going on. And yeah, they seem to be hiring someone with a. I think the remit is to revisit feedback, and maybe come up with a new system. Um, and that is interesting because the previous times I've talked about people talk with people in eBay, because I always think they need to redo the whole feedback and metrics and you know top rated and everything else because it's just doesn't make sense. The response has been, they're never going to touch it. The execs won't want to put their careers on the line for something that doesn't really affect their their bottom line, you know, 
yes, it, 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 we should just shut it down altogether or nothing's going nothing's to happen. But they seem to be hiring someone. And it's interesting because you, it's very rare, I think, you see a job advert come out and you go, wow. Not a particularly senior job. I mean, it's a senior product lead or something, which is, but it's not like a VP or anything. And you could just totally change the seller's perception of eBay because the one thing we care about how we're measured, right? Yeah, it's 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 huge. We're all perfectionists. We hate getting. We love getting good feedback. We hate getting bad feedback. You go to a meetup. Probably number one topic is feedback and you know results and things. And there you are. It's an opportunity to totally change the way, as I see it, that eBay interacts with its sellers. And that that would be a big job. Yeah, we should all go apply for that one. And I but think it looked like well, I was thinking there's a lot you could do. What would I do if I was if because one of my when they make me king of eBay type discussions, which I have a few, a few from time to time. Yes, you've got to get away from the business of, of of feedback and metrics being used to punish sellers. That's that's where they it ended up. They took away some of the punishment aspects, but there's bits of it there. Whereas if you could rebuild it in a form that was providing positive reinforcement and coaching you, and you could use AI to guide you as to things you might do differently that might affect the results, and maybe even have a predictive thing that says, if you do this, then that happens. So if you were to ship on a Saturday, you don't currently do that, but this metric might go up to this score here, or you might mm -hmm. then be top rated. You know, you could you could... It'd be more like a, a counselling session with your manager rather than a backside-kicking session with, with eBay. Um, yeah. and you should apply for the job. It would be interesting because you could, I think you could come up with a different way of seeing things, and it would be some would be objective and some would be perhaps more subjective on the part of buyers. But you could be, there's more computing out there to, to interpret things. And I think you could come up with some, some basic dimensions that... As let's say, start with a buyer. As a buyer, what do I what do I like about eBay site? What would make it? What would I like sellers to be measured on? I think accuracy of what they do, communication. I think communication, friendliness, tone, interaction, supportiveness. There's a, there's a whole sort of category there. And then I think there's some practical stuff in terms of how fast was it sent out? Was it nicely packed? Um, you know, did you follow any particular requests? The sort of the, the practical side of things. Um, and then, uh, you know, just the, 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 some of the sort of as-described type stuff. Anyway, you could come up with some dimensions, and then you could – some of those could be completed just by using metric gathered off the site, and other ones you could send a survey to each buyer. But it wouldn't be the same as the – in my world, it wouldn't be the same as the do it now because I don't want to see for every transaction – of feedback because then you get feedback nagging, which is one of the downsides of the current system. You can see whether the person's responded. I think if you offered buyers the chance to be, you know, a, a star community member or something, where if you respond to more than fifty percent of of survey requests, you get a little star or something. Nothing, nothing important, but just because people on eBay will chase those kind of things. Ah, uh, yes, these are great ideas, and and then. You've got all this data coming in, assuming that the person does a fair amount of sales. And then you can start to build together a picture in terms of give the seller some feedback against the four or five key dimensions that we think as a platform are valuable, how they're doing. Um, 
and and maybe, as I said, come up with some ideas because you've got a you know hundreds of thousands of people out there. You know from the past performance of the group that if you do you know take one day's handling off, this metric goes to here and that metric goes to there. And then you could just sit there and, and, and present someone with a screen that says, well, okay, here, here are some policy choices you might want to consider. You know, use three-day service, not, you know, five-day. Work on Saturdays, you know, whatever the options are. Uh, and then you could move sort of sliders around and say, well, I'd like to do that. And then you could see how the scores might change hypothetically on your account and then make decisions as to what you want to do. Um, so I don't know. I just think there's a lot of things you could do now the world's moved on a lot. And make it much more of a positive thing where you're providing reinforcement. I mean, I'd like, I mean, personally, I think you should measure sellers on this stuff. And ultimately, search results should be based on something to do with it. And I, does, I do think it has to involve some feedback from the buyer. Because mm -hmm. right now, it only depends on whether you sent something out by the due date. That's the only metric they have. And to be For honest, we can, all, qualify as top rated. we can all do that. I mean, I've had plenty of bad experiences where the guy's been top rated. Anyway, yeah. as you can tell, I was getting excited by all this. <laughs> yes. Well, I think you should apply for the job. And and I also, uh, moving on to one other change that sure. I've noticed that eBay has made for the better, um, with item specifics, Yes. If it used to be that if you had something, let's say, in women's tops, and you changed it to a better category like women's sweaters, all of your item specifics would disappear and you'd have to change them all. Mm-hmm. Has you noticed that that doesn't isn't happening now they're keeping as many as they can and then you just might have to change a couple i think this is revolutionary because as much as people talk about feedback people complain about item specifics mm -hmm. and the difficulty of item specifics and Sellers it was do. so annoying because you think well you could have at least kept color come on you right know? <laughs> so i i noticed it right away this week and I didn't even hear anything about it. I just, so that's, I'm very excited about that. So everybody who's uh, been, had your feathers ruffled because you had to redo item specifics for changing the eBay category. Now a lot of them are done for you and you don't lose them. Okay. Very good. Now there's something else that, that happened to me for the first time this week and it's to do with eBay international shipping, which I have embraced now. I, at the beginning, I kind of left it alone because I was happy doing self-fulfillment. I felt it was going to be slow and not have a lot of buyer confidence. But I think it's I think it's okay. And also now, kind of a fashion, you can do a mix and match with a bit of both on the same listing. It's not perfect, but it, it is there. Uh, but the question I guess some of us have is, well, what happens if something goes wrong? How does this work? Is your account affected? What What goes on? So I sold uh, an audio item to a guy in, I think it was Poland, for like nearly 800 bucks. And I sent it off to the eBay International Shipping Center, which is in uh, Chicago for me. And it got there. I saw that it had been logged in by them. And I closed my sort of file in my system here because, you know, I've done everything that I'm going to do. I get paid. I, I didn't bother to kind of carry on watching it. And then I get a, after quite a while, I get a message from the buyer saying, hey, this thing never turned up. It's not showing any status. What's what's going on with this? And, I, and indeed, I looked at it and it had been logged in as having arrived at the eBay International Shipping Center in Chicago, but nothing had happened after that. 
And because of the value, my guess is it got put to one side for second inspection photographing, because if it's above a certain value, they want to take down serial numbers or details like that because they're a bit worried about sort of uh, return fraud. And maybe at that point, it who knows what happened to it? Anybody's guess. But it, it first of all, stuff does go missing, because um, here's an example. And so anyway, I, I go back to this. The, I did what eBay said to do, which is always go back to the buyer and have them open a case. Never would normally do that. Never, I would normally just try and keep that into message, member to member messaging and never, never, never open a case against yourself. That's always. But anyway, that's the only option you have with this thing. So uh, next day he opens a case and I'm thinking, well, I'm hoping eBay's just going to handle this, not make a fuss about it. And of course, being you know, a case has been opened against you. Your mon- money's been sequestered away. Uh, we're investigating oh. that. Blah blah blah. Like, oh, blimey. Um, anyway, I think it took a few hours uh, before the case has been resolved. Your money's back in your account. Uh, we'll take care of it. But it does. It does hit your account. I don't think it'll score against me. But I'll look at the metrics when I when I next have a chance. Um, and they just they just refunded the guy. Obviously, there's no way they're going to find it after a month or two. Um, so there you go. That that seems to be how it works. It did. They did step up and cover the guy's losses. I got paid. The only thing I would say is it 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 follows the standard case flow, goes into your cat goes against you on your account, and then they take care of it after that. So maybe in yeah. time they'll clean that up and it'll be transparent. But right now it does. You do. I mean, it's nice to know something's gone wrong because I can now, you know, plan around that. And that's just a learning point for all of us. Yes. The other thing that, by the way, on a a slight side note on this one, uh, we talked the other day about what happens when stuff gets signed for, typically UPS and FedEx. And uh, and maybe if you know more about UPS and FedEx than I do, you'll you'll jump in and, and, and let us know if I'm wrong here. But... The way it works is that with this particular item, I did not put signature on the UPS package, even though it was above $750. I took that risk. And it was a good test case because I speculated when we spoke about it that provided just one item in the batch that's on the guy's scanner at that time needs a signature and gets a signature, every other item in that batch gets recorded with that signature. And when I looked at the tracking for the item that I sent in that got lost, yeah, it says delivered to some guy's name, you know, delivery doc. It's a UPS. I don't think I see a graphic of the signature, but it, it had clearly been signed for, even though I didn't pay for that. So my assumption, don't hold me to this, is that provided one person out of that truckload has has done a signature for delivery, the chances are you you will get assigned for credit now whether that will hold up in the event there's the little finger pointing as to who pays out a big chunk of money i don't know i'm not guaranteeing that but i think that's the way it works but if you are more familiar with the mechanics of fedex and and ups and want to share with us your thoughts please give us a call leave us a voicemail it's uh, 833 ebay 723 if you want to do that all right is there anything else we have to cover today um, oh, we got some tips. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry, you got a tip, and you said you were going to talk about was it tax keeping? Yes. Yeah, so I just thought this was the right time of year to talk about very, this. Very appropriate. My tip 
is to use an accountant. And I'll I'll tell you why I say that. I'm not talking about handing over a box of receipts to someone. First of all, I, when I, for the first 15 years of my work life, I was an assistant to a business owner. So I did all of the bookkeeping and So I learned a lot Mm -hmm. about taxes from her accountant and the things that he would ask us for, the things that he would tell us that we could write off and, you know, using QuickBooks. Well, the first year that I started selling on eBay, I thought I I didn't know if I needed an accountant and I saw an H&R block. I walked in and I thought, oh, well, maybe they'll just help me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And two hours later, after being tormented by someone who knew less than I did Mm. about taxes, um, they filed my taxes for me, but every form that you need to use costs more money. So it was hundreds of dollars. It was a few hundred dollars Mm -hmm. to you to be tortured by someone who didn't know that much for two hours. The next year I got an accountant and for one thing, I'm not doing it to do all of my bookkeeping. I'm doing it to file my taxes. And because they have to go and do hours, if it's a certified public accountant, Mm -hmm. of seminars for that year's tax laws. Mm -hmm. So they're going to tell you what you can and can't write off. And, And my current accountant gives me a workbook and asks me all the questions. And then... so. He costs not much more than the H&R Block person. Yes, so I just want to clarify, I'm not an accountant and can't give tax advice. So don't take anything that I say. But when you, if you do use an accountant, they will tell you what you can and can't write off. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's part of your house, Mm -hmm. part of your home expenses, your auto registration. So there's all kinds of things and it should more than pay for having an accountant. And then the IRS sees that a CPA filed the taxes. And I Mm -hmm. just feel like they may be a little more hesitant to audit you than if it was just an individual person. So that's my tip of the day. Very good. And the risk of negating your tip, I I, I don't do uh, have anyone professional do it. Now, the I'm reasonably confident that I know my own numbers. And even if I did hire someone, they probably wouldn't be able to correct them if I got them wrong. In terms of the tax process, I use TurboTax. I've had pretty good luck with that over the years. It kind of walks you through the things. I think it's probably going to pick up the main possible errors. The thing that I don't get is the external perspective of someone saying, you know what, you could be a lot smarter in terms of how you structure the business, you're missing a trick here. Um, have you thought about this type of corporation? Stuff like that. So maybe I end up saving money by not hiring someone, but end up losing money because there's a bigger picture item, and I don't have no knowledge of that because I'm not an expert. So, how much does TurboTax cost? Uh, home and business the, with the Schedule C. I, I want to say eighty bucks, something like that. Okay. When you buy Amazon, something you know. Um, anyway, so that's my idea, but it's not. I'm not recommending that or a tip or anyway. It always it always struck me those people that you see like in the Walmart, there's a little booth doing taxes. 
what do those guys do the other 10 months of the year? Are they like delivering pizzas or are they? If they're anything like H&R Block, they're not professional accountants. Yeah. How good, how good, how good an accountant do you have to be to take 10 months off a year and just get like do, you know, April and May or March and April <laughs> work and the rest of the year? You're probably not an accountant. You right. do, you have a different You're probably job. someone who's, you know, probably got a little bit of grasp of mathematics who they can just teach enough to to bluff your way through a basic case um, I don't know maybe I'm being unfair to them but it just struck me as it's a strange business because you can always demand for like six weeks of the year and then nothing for 10 plus months and then it repeats all over again maybe there's a whole cadre of retired top-notch accountants uh-huh. who are more than happy to give up six weeks of their year to make a bit of freelance income but I suspect that's not the case all right. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's press on here. Uh, so yeah. Oh, I got a tip. I said, well, here. This, here's one for you. Sorry if this gets a bit technical. Um, and this is more for you if you use like a regular camera, you know, the sort of thing with a lens and buttons and things, rather than use your phone. And see by looking in the manual whether your camera offers you the ability to adjust the default level of contrast. Most cameras, you know, SLR-type cameras, have this. You can change things like the sharpness, the color, brightness, whatever. You can change all that. And I'm talking about contrast. And have a go at reducing, lowering the contrast. What that is doing, it's taking the information that the lens sees and it's it's plonking it in the middle of the light range, but it gives you a bit of room at the upper end and a bit of room at the lower end. So the whites don't stretch all the way up to digital white and the blacks don't go down all the way to digital black. Why is this helpful? Well, if you have too much contrast and stuff goes white too quickly, you're throwing away information. You're losing some highlight information and you can never get that back. And the same thing at the low end, you're losing shadow detail into the blacks, which you can't then recover. By lowering the contrast, you're keeping your image well within the range of the sensor, and you've got a bit of room at either end to play with. Um, So if something's really white, you're not losing that, and that information is there. Now, you can always throw away information and data when you do the edit and move the white point to to the whiter end and the black point to the blacker end, but if you don't capture it in the first place, you have nothing to play with. The other thing that I think is helpful with having an in, well, two things with the helpful with not having so much contrast. Firstly, if the viewer is using a monitor that is perhaps a little on the contrasty side, which is probably where most of them are that aren't calibrated, you've got a better chance of looking nice on their screen. And then the other thing is that uh, when you come and do like the background, trying to get the background uh, removed. If it's not too contrasty, you can kind of see detail in the darker and the lighter points that makes the AI-driven background machine removal process give it more chance of seeing what's going on with the image. So that handbag, the software is going to go, wow, that's a handbag, um, because I can see it clearly. And I know that that space between that sort of archy stuff at the top, that's supposed to be background in the middle, that's not subject. Uh, And if the 
if the contrast is a bit lower, it's easier for the software to distinguish the, what the item is. It's not disappearing into the highlights or dropping down into the background so that it can make that decision more, more carefully and do a better job of automatic background removal, which is where we're all going. The, the days of selecting stuff in Photoshop, I do it, but I'm an old school person. But, you know, we isn't really necessary anymore, provided you can give a clean input into the uh, the image editing system. So my suggestion is see if your camera offers the chance to take down the level of contrast in the capture. You can always add it back later on uh, and and see if that gives you more options and looks better on a range of monitors when you when you show the listing. So that's that's my thought for the day. <laughs> Sorry if it's a bit complicated, but there we go. Let's but if wrap you're up using with a camera, you're probably up for that. There you go. All right, let's talk about some stuff coming up. Uh, we mentioned earlier, 20th of February, that's Tuesday. Uh, there's a meetup in the Orlando area. Firebirds Bar and Grill will be there from 5.30 or so. I look forward to seeing you there if you're in our area. Also, Shari, we have a, a seller check-in on the horizon too. Yes, on March 7th, and you can register at sellerevents.ebay.com. And I've done that. And we must be coming up for a seller release, the next set of featured and uh, maybe fee changes. My guess is, what, if there's a seller check-in 7th of March, maybe the 6th of March? Be a Wednesday, maybe. probably. That's a Thursday. You never know. Could be wrong, of course, but it'll be definitely, I think, before that before that seller check-in. So that's my theory. Anyway, we'll leave you that to ponder on. This is Philip saying, hey, thanks for joining us this week. And, and this is Sherry. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>